This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri. Hello, everyone. How's it going, Al? And we have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. Hi, everybody. So, guys, we have a fun episode today because we get to do what we've been waiting to do for way longer than anyone could have expected, which is talk about a couple of Yankees games that have actually happened. (laughs) And there's been chaos, there's been weirdness, there's been all kinds of uncertainty, but we've also seen four Yankees games. So we are going to talk about Garrett Cole, who has pitched two excellent games for the Yankees, which is certainly what the team was hoping for when they signed him. So we're going to talk about those games and also Al, your Q&A feature with him that we're finally running in the newly released August issue of Yankees Magazine. And then we're also going to talk about Giancarlo Stanton, who has started the season just absolutely crushing the ball and has been a sight to see in a lineup that, as we've been saying for a while, if everyone's healthy, it's hard to imagine how you keep this lineup down. So with that said, why don't we roll right into it? I'm curious, Nate, Al, both of you guys, watching Yankees baseball again, finally watching the games, what's it been like for you? For me, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. You know, I'm watching the games from home, um, you know, obviously looking forward to being uh, at the stadium for the first time tomorrow. But I feel, you know, like I'm I, in a way like I'm almost like I'm watching postseason baseball, not because of obviously the level of excitement or anything like that or, or magnitude of the game. But, you know, the fact that I'm just so excited to watch baseball, it makes me kind of have the same emotions that I have while watching postseason baseball, kind of hanging on every pitch and every inning. And, you know, seeing a guy like Derek Cole, who, you know, we were so excited about having the opportunity to see pitch every five days, um, actually, you know, having to wait so long for it to happen, not knowing whether it was going to happen at all. And now seeing it is, is just really exciting. I, I, you know, that's been, that's been great. And it's a reality that, that took a long time to get to, but it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, and John, as you alluded to, there has been a lot of, uh, a little bit of chaos, you know, this week with the, you know, a couple postponements and, uh, but, you know, once the games finally did uh, hit the airwaves, uh, it was really nice to, to just hear some familiar voices and see some familiar faces on, on the screen. And uh, took me back to, to last year when things were a whole lot different. Um, but it, it was just nice to hear and nice to watch Yankees baseball again, for sure. 
Absolutely. And from the moment, I would say, you know, from the moment last season ended, obviously the Yankees hadn't at that point signed Garrett Cole yet. But certainly those most optimistic among us had been wondering what it might be like to see Garrett Cole pitch for the Yankees. Then you have that day in December when he holds up the sign from 2001 and everything like that. And now it's just like you said, we had to wait so long to see it. And so now we're two Garrett Cole starts into the season among the first four games of the season. And it's been very strange for me because I have to say, I found the experience watching him and speaking to him in press conferences and everything like that to be very different from how I expected. Because on the one hand, his results have been incredible. He's been dominant in a lot of ways, but it's just, I'm finding it so much fun to watch him work, especially as it relates to listening later to him talk about the way he works. And one thing I just want to go to real quick is last night we watched as he struggled a little bit in the first inning and then was just completely rolling through and then ran into just super fast trouble in the seventh inning. And for those of you who are watching, you saw when, you know, Boone comes and takes him out and he's sitting there and he's going over his scouting report and, you know, he's up seven to three at the time. It's all in all a pretty good start, but you could see this just look of exasperation as he's like reading over his paperwork, trying to figure out what went wrong in those last three batters. And then we have some audio from him talking afterward, just the way he talks about it later. It's just so matter of fact, take, take a listen to just, you know, how he goes over it. Good pitch to Nunez, good swing, bad pitch to Stewart, good swing, and uh, good pitch to Severino and snuck down the line. So uh, I, I felt like, yeah, we just kind of got a little unfortunate there, but certainly the pitch to Stewart was pretty fast. I think I just kind of got into the rhythm. I, I only was really upset with the one pitch to Iglesias, and I just felt that I could have challenged uh, the leadoff hitter a little more over the plate, but – uh, by and large, we executed a, a lot of those pitches in the first. Um, so, and then as we started to roll, uh, there was some unpredictability there, I thought, and then matched that with executing more pitches than not, and, and it flowed a little bit. So it's it, it's been a lot of fun to kind of get to see that stuff. Al, you, you had this awesome opportunity during spring training so long ago to speak to him for a Q&A. Now that you have both published that story, but also watched him. How has that changed the experience for you? Well, that interview, uh, you know, really, uh, it's it's funny that you say it that way, you know, changed the experience for me. You know, I guess the experience, if you will, to kind of look at this from a personal standpoint, I guess, uh, starts when we sign him. And, you know, now you, you, you know you have this opportunity to cover this amazing pitcher, you know, one of the best in the game and one of the best the game has seen in, in, in a while, certainly, you know, obviously going back to what he did with Houston Astros and, and the Pirates before that. And press conference day was, was crazy back in December. A lot of us had to, you know, always, wh- whoever's writing stories about a, a player that just signed with the Yankees, you're, you're writing it off of a short interview and press conference and, and things like that. But the opportunity that I had in spring training was really unique. It was uh, an early Sunday morning. Team was on the road. He was one of the players that stayed back. You know, I get to the to the ballpark, and the promise or the commitment, I guess, was a half hour that I was supposed to have with him. And he just impressed me right off the bat because he walks into the dugout, and there's there's no time limit. You know, it's just however much time you need. Um, I remember the first question he, he answered, he, he talked for like five minutes. And I'm like, well, at this pace, 
you know, I'm not going to have a lot of questions that I'm going to have the opportunity to ask, but it was nothing like that. It was basically like, I'll talk to you as long as you want. He just gave me everything that, uh, you know, a, a writer could possibly want, especially somebody who's putting a Q&A piece together where you really want their words and you want a lot of them and you want candor. I, I couldn't have gotten more of, of all of that. And, you know, what I was impressed with at the press conference was just in the in the group settings where he was talking to all the beat writers and, you know, standing on the podium and talking to the to the whole press corps and stuff. And I kind of built my, my interview questions off of what I had seen there. And what I was really impressed with was just the way he studies the game. And, you know, you have someone with this amazing ability and this amazing work ethic, but now you have this amazing student of the game, somebody who, who works so hard on the mental side of it. And that's really what I wanted to delve into with him. And everything about the interview impressed me. Just the, the, the knowledge he had of the players on the Yankees, who he had barely met at that point, but had played against. Just the way that he had strategies set up for every start against the Yankees. And now, you know, what, what he obviously does for the Yankees. So seeing him last night pitch a great game, get into trouble, come out of the game, sit back in the dugout, study what went right, study what, what went wrong, was like I sat there with my family. Like basically it was like I, I told you so moment. Yep, this is exactly what he told me he was going to do. This is what he does. Al, I, I couldn't agree with with what you're saying more. And, and, and I've been really taken in by his generosity. And I mean that in a lot of different ways. First off, like you said, the willingness to talk, the willingness to break down his process. Again, you know, when you're watching from afar, he looks very serious. He looks very, um, very intense in a lot of ways. But in the few months that we've been kind of, I don't want to say around him because we haven't been, but he's funny. He laughs a lot. He's very giving. He'll, he'll talk a lot, which in itself is interesting. But also one example from last night that I keep going back to, there's no doubt Gary Sanchez has been struggling at the plate so far, but I would say about three times in the course of his, of Cole's like seven minute press conference afterward, you know, from a very successful game that he had, he kept going back to deferring the credit for it to Gary and the game that Gary called and the way that they were on the same uh, page, you know, just take a listen here, just to one example of it. Gary was a huge help in this situation, knowing the Orioles really well. And now the fourth, fifth time in a row working with him. So our communication was flowing well. And I thought that we were able to keep a steady mix to kind of stay one step ahead of them at some times. But I leaned a lot on Gary's familiarity and it, and um, we executed a lot of pitches. So we were in a good spot. And that's been pretty much the way it's been for him through so much of this. Garrett Cole is, he, he just signed the most remarkable contract that the Yankees have ever given any player. And at the same time, he spent so much time so far being generous and giving. And he has been very candid about just the guys around him, the things that they're doing and the comfort he gets from the offense around him and the comfort he gets from his coaching staff and from Gary Sanchez, who... It's kind of been the flip side of what we're normally expecting. You know, it, it, you're used to seeing his bat kind of make up in a lot of people's minds for uh, some struggles defensively. And what you're hearing from a guy like Garrett Cole right now is that Gary Sanchez is a huge part of these two great starts he's had. And what I think shouldn't be uh, overlooked is like, obviously, you know, we all know Cole's a fantastic pitcher. We saw what he did down in Houston the last couple of years. But we also know, 
how much these starting pitchers are creatures of habit and how much they need that routine and that schedule and that every fifth day. And it's been so crazy so far. And he's just completely able to put that out of his mind and keep this really incredible streak intact. I think last night was his 18th straight decision in which he got a victory. Um, and there's only been, I think, five you know, longer streaks in the his- all of the history of baseball. You know, I'm just really impressed with his ability to you know, come into a new surroundings, a new team, new teammates, new catcher to work with. The schedule just being as crazy as it is and, and block all that out. And uh, Al, I think during your Q&A with him, uh, he kind of talked a little bit about, about that streak and just, you know, not ever kind of taking it for granted, right? Yeah, you know, I'll kind of piggyback on what, what both you guys were talking about. He, he's very humble. Talking about his, his upbringing kind of sheds light on on that humility and where that came from. You know, this, this is a, a person who wanted to, you know, get a college education and gave up a lot of money as the early part of his life to kind of see things through the way that he wanted it to. You know, can you imagine, I mean, just being on a collegiate roster, playing baseball, getting an education when you could have already probably been a, all the way in the majors, you know, not even in the minors, had you had you been you know, follow that path. His parents are humble. And I think that's just the word that that kind of sticks out to me because it's the way that he was born. It's the way that he was bred. It's the way that he is. And yeah, the streak is, is important to him, I think, to an extent. But I think more than more than that, the the team is important to him. I think he also, you know, just, you know, this is kind of post interview, if you will. But, you know, I see that he you know, he really realizes where things are at in the world, you know, that, that they are trying to play and complete a season through a pandemic that is that is obviously ravaging the world and, and so many parts of this country. I think he sees his streak and, and understands his place in in baseball and in, and in the world, I guess, for really what it is. And he doesn't overstate it and he's able to put things in perspective. And, and I I really applaud him for that. Yeah, and I think it's worth also pointing out that the the Yankees pitching staff, especially at this moment right now, is very interesting because you don't have CeCe Sabathia anymore. Masahiro Tanaka, obviously, I'm not even sure he's with the team at the moment, but whether it's a language barrier or whatever, people love Masa and he's fun and everything like that, but it, it's hard for a player in his position to be a, a vocal leader for a team. Severino's not there right now. Jordan Montgomery is very young, and he's very good, but he's very young. Jay Happ is a pretty soft-spoken guy. And so a lot falls on Garrett Cole in, in a situation like that, who is the newest member of the pitching staff in some in some ways. And again, I, I, I kind of keep going back to this. And I should mention, you know, Aaron Boone talked about this last night, too, that he is an intense guy. And you, and you can see, again, as we've spoken about, you know, he comes off that mound and he's studying those papers. But you know, what a lot of people didn't see is then after the game on the Zoom press conference, he walks into the room and instead of just like sitting down in the chair, he just like walks right up to the camera and kind of starts like mugging for it. And I know that, that as reporters and you know people who are <laughs> trying to figure out how to write about this team when we don't have real access to the team, we laugh about that and that's a fun thing to see. But you have to imagine that that's very helpful for the team too. And again, I, I, I want to play what Aaron was saying about it last night, just because he balances that stuff so well. He does a really good job of, of balancing a, a real intensity with, you know, being able to 
keep himself under control. Um, he's, he's very approachable throughout the game. You know, he's not one of those guys that's just blinders on. And, you know, I think he likes the dialogue that he has with Gary and with the pitching coach. And so, you know, I always think it's important for starting pitchers. It's tough sometimes to be wired tight and intense and everything. He does a really good job of, of striking that balance of intensity, but really understanding what he wants to do. And, and, you know, he's meticulous in his game plan and he, he expects to go out and execute. Look, you sign a pitcher for that kind of money. There's expectations you have. And obviously during the press conference, Garrett leaned into them saying his quote, which was so great, which was that pressure is a privilege and it's two starts. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but last thing I'll give to both of you, just could it have gone much better? <laughs> it's funny. Uh, you know, Garrett Cole could not have started his Yankees career much better. And what's so funny to me or ironic, I guess, is I, you know, in my, is this is my 18th season with the Yankees. And through that time, it seemed, it seems in a way like almost every year, we bring in uh, a frontline free agent. It, it almost, it's almost like a, um, an annual thing, I guess you could say. I, I go all the way back to Hideki Matsui and Alex Rodriguez and Jason Giambi and you know guys like that. And what I'm really used to, to be very honest with you, is no matter how great Roger Clemens, you know, coming back in 2007, I, what I'm really used to is no matter how great the player has been prior to coming to the Bronx as a free agent. I just kind of expect them to not be very good out of the gate the first couple months, because that's just the way it's gone with just about every, you know, every player that's come through here. And, and many of them have had storied careers with the Yankees, but not in that first month, not in that first two months, in a lot of ways, not in those first three months. So I'm almost like surprised when I see a guy like Garrett Cole living up to the expectations right off the bat, it's almost like the opposite of what normally happens because of the pressure and all that stuff. Obviously, the circumstances are far, far different here. He's not pitching in front of any fans at all. The perspective is very, very different because there's so much other things happening that are more important in the world. But it is still nice to finally see things working out the way they're supposed to right from the beginning. Of course, you, like you said, John, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but boy, it's, it's, been, it's been a fun two games to watch. And, and I have that, that kind of feeling where I just can't wait to see him pitch again. Yeah, so uh, next week we'll get to see if he extends the streak, goes for number 19. You know, I was certainly uh, excited to get my August issue of Yankees Magazine in the mail this week, and I think everybody who, who did, uh, if they haven't already, probably uh, – We'll enjoy the, the Q&A. I mean, everything that we talked about here on this episode about what kind of mind Garrett Cole has is pretty much on display there in the answers to the, uh, the questions that you gave him out. So uh, it's called Let's Roll. It's on page 46 of the August issue, and uh, I hope everybody checks it out. With that, we're going to take a real quick break. But when we come back, we're just going to talk about another shining star so far in the weird and bizarre 2020 season, Giancarlo Stanton. So stick with us. Hi, this is Garrett Cole. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Deep to left. Yastrzemski will not get it. It's a home run. A three-run home run for 
Hey folks, it's Bucky Dent. I'm proud to be part of a new podcast on Yankees Magazine Podcast Network called Deep to Left with Bucky Dent. Every other Tuesday, we'll bring you a new episode chatting about great moments from Yankee history with some of my best friends from a career in the game. We'll look at what's happening with the current team, share some memories, and no surprise, we'll even discuss a little homer I hit one credible day in Fenway Park. Download Deep to Left with Bucky Dent at yankees.com slash podcast or at the podcast app of your choice. Can't wait to speak with you soon. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back. So we just got done talking about one of the, I don't want to say surprises, but but one of the really exciting parts so far of the 2020 season. Obviously, right off the bat, as exciting as it was to watch Garrett Cole look so good on opening day, how could you not talk about what Giancarlo Stanton did on opening day and, and, and since then as well? Guys, Stanton is always a little bit of an enigma in some ways because he's got such a powerful bat, but... He, he kind of doesn't always necessarily want to be the guy who's out there out front talking and things like that. It can be a little difficult in that way. He was injured last year. I think people forget sometimes just how good he was the year before. But, man, watching him these first few games, what's been your impression, Nate? Well, uh, that opening day game, I mean, it took me right back to his his first game with the Yankees. You know, I think he had a two-run homer in the first inning in his first at-bat. Uh, up there in Toronto, and uh, that was kind of a portent of things to come. You know, like you said, John, he had a great 2018 season, led the team in homers and RBIs. You know, hopefully it's a sign of uh, of another uh, more great things to come in 2020. Al, you talked in the last segment about some guys coming to the Yankees and having some trouble off the bat. And I, and I think it's worth pointing out, obviously, I don't know, know that I necessarily buy always the that it's harder to pitch in New York or whatever. Some guys just succeed more in different places than others. And obviously you can look this year to see, and and last year too, to see just how good Sonny Gray has been. He's really been the pitcher he was since before he came to the Yankees in a lot of ways. You know, obviously sometimes just guys are better in, diff- in, in one place than another place. I've always found it very bizarre with Stanton though, because the example that I go to a lot is there was a game in 2018. He hit a walk-off against Seattle. And yeah, he'd been struggling a little bit uh, leading up to that. But everyone talked about, oh my God, he's finally had a Yankees moment. You know, he finally earned his pinstripes, whatever you want to say. And I remember for me personally, and I was at that game, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, Giancarlo Stanton hit two home runs in his first game as a Yankee. Like, why is it that sometimes some guys just, it seems a lot harder for them to, to resonate in terms of how much success they are actually having. Is it just the expectation? Is it the personality? What do you think it is, Al, that has caused people to sometimes overlook some of the incredible things that Stanton has already done? I, I think it's expectations and it's his fault, John. And the reason I say <laughs> that is, well, he had 59 home runs the year before he came to New York with the Marlins and he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and I say that facetiously, obviously, but when you have a career year like that, you hit 59 home runs. That hasn't happened that many times in history, literally. 
the number of players who've reached that number are are on a very very short list so the point i'm making is that when he did that and then came here for some reason there was this kind of fantasy that people had that oh this is the player he is this is what he's going to do here this is what he's going to do I don't know, every year, every other year, every third year, something like that. But no, that's not realistic because in the history of baseball, you know, that's only happened a handful of times. So to think that a player would would be able to do that year in and year out, that's never really happened. So I think the expectations were, I don't know if overwhelming is the right word, but they they were a little bit misguided. For him to come to New York, and I, John, I do think that there's more pressures playing in New York. You're playing in a, in a division that is more competitive in the, in the AL East. You're playing in climates that are fluctuating and, and overall colder in the beginning of the year, the end of the year, all that stuff. There's factors that you know might not, not, not to say that they're excuses, but they are things that you need to kind of get used to. He came in in 2018. And he led the team, as you said, Nate, in home runs and RBIs. 38 home runs. That's that's a big number. That's a lot of home runs for any player. And the only reason it's not a lot of home runs in the in the eyes of uh, whoever thought that you know that year was somewhat of a disappointment or or whatever were people who were comparing it to to the to the number he had put up the year before, which was 59. So. You know, one thing I did is, again, I, I date myself here, but I have vivid memories of everything that kind of was said about, written about, and, and, and how Alex Rodriguez was chronicled in, her, in his first year with the Yankees in 2004. Again, he had been coming off of three incredible years where I believe he had over 50 home runs all three of those years that he was with the Texas Rangers. He comes to New York. And has a really good year. It's 35 home runs or 36 home runs and does a lot of really good things. And unfortunately, he doesn't play well in the, in the postseason, nor did Giancarlo Stanton, ironically, both against the Red Sox, which made the situation that much worse. And the season's kind of looked at as like, boy, he had a horrible year his first year in New York. Let's see what happens the next year. Well, for one, neither of them had a horrible year their first year in New York. They both had very impressive years. And then Alex Rodriguez went on the next year in 2005 and won an MVP award. Well, Giancarlo couldn't really follow up the way that A-Rod did because of injuries and, and so on and so forth. But now he's really in a position to kind of have that 2005 year. Got that first year under his belt, which again, was successful, at least by my standard. And now he has an opportunity to kind of really move forward and to me, he is somebody that I just love writing about because I really admire someone who's gone through injuries, who's struggled. It has not been easy. He's been criticized for being injured. He's been criticized for struggling, which to me makes absolutely no sense. To me, he's he's gone through more and he's put forth more effort than someone who wasn't injured and didn't have to come back and do the things that are not fun. He's done all that, and boy, does he look great uh, this year so far. I want to touch on something you just mentioned, because, yeah, he he was injured a lot of last year, but let's go down the list for a second. So was Luis Severino. So was Aaron Judge for a lot of the year. So was Miguel Andujar. So was Luke Voigt for a long portion of the year. So, I, I mean, so was Aaron Hicks. So I, I could just keep on going through this stuff for some reason— <laughs> You know, and Nate, I'm curious what you think about this. 
I think Al, you're right to a lot of regard. The only person we seem to talk about and get frustrated about with that is Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, I, you know, I think that the uh, the contract certainly has, uh, plays a role in that. You know, he, he's very high, highly paid, and so people's expectations are through the roof. But, you know, as Al alluded to, I mean, nobody works harder than this guy. And uh, to see, you know, the way he started this season, uh, it's clear that, you know, that work is paying off. So um, the story that, that Al has in the August issue about Giancarlo and, and comparing, you know, his first couple of years in New York to those of Alex Rodriguez, which I thought was a really interesting way to look at it, uh, the story's called Driven. And, you know, I really, when you, he, you read some of the quotes from Giancarlo in this story, uh, you'll see, like, why that word makes so much sense. I mean, I loved the quote he had about, you know, when he, and I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, when Stanton was a kid growing up, like the players that he liked were the ones that made you want to stay in your seat when they came up to bat. And that's the type of player that he strives to be. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's, you know, before all is said and done, uh, he's going to be regarded in New York as that type of player. I, I feel the same way, Nate. And it's, it's funny that you say that because I'm sitting here literally reading that quote <laughs> right now because I wanted to mention it as well. I thought it was really interesting. You know, a, a guy goes through a, a period of time like he did last year where his stock essentially, in the eyes of so many, plummets. He has one injury after another after another, really just couldn't ever get healthy enough to kind of avoid really like the, almost like the snowball effect. And, and And with that, there's a lot of kind of unfortunate luck or bad luck, if, I, I guess, as well. And you almost like forget about what your hopes and, and dreams for this player were only, you know, 18 months ago or, you know, only a, a short time ago. And, and I think that's funny in a way. Um, and when he mentioned that quote to me or, or used that quote or said that quote, I guess, I, I want to be the player that when I'm in a, in a road city, fans make sure you know, that they bring their kids to the ballpark to watch me play. When I come to the plate, I want fans to stay in their seats. You know, I kind of started to think about, like, well, why can't he be that player? It's not like he was been gone for five years. It was just a bad year. It was just a year where, you know, where he was hurt. So many players in, in football and basketball and baseball miss a year. They come back and, you know, they're great again. That kind of brought me back to reality, I think, more than anything. And, um I'm glad he he said those words because because it it to me it made the story. I think you guys are both completely right, and and the thing is, whatever the narrative is, I think you know one thing that I always love doing is kind of trying to figure out both what the narrative is and why it's wrong in some in, in some regards. I, I, I it's just so much fun watching a guy with his strength and his power. Nate, we've spoken a lot about just back in the days when we used to sit near each other, but also you wrote about it some last year. It's just so fun watching how he and Aaron Judge, for example, a lot of their outcomes are the same, but they can just look so different. Their swings are so different. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton has this, what looks almost like a small swing, really compact, but then you just watch the ball go out. And I mean, I, I just sitting there and watching that ball fly on opening day and just, you know, mouth on the ground. Uh, I, I, I just, whatever, you know, to take this full circle, I guess, whatever the narrative, whatever... It is that I think, Al, you did a really good job in your story of showing who he really is. 
beyond everything else, it's just so much fun to watch him when it's working because, I mean, he it might be my favorite swing to watch. It's really impressive, John. I mean, I really can't fathom having that sort of uh, upper body strength, as, as jacked as I may be, um, <laughs> to be able to just, like, stand that still in the batter's box and be so quiet with his, his whole stance, with his legs, with his hands, everything and put balls 450 feet away into the seats is uh it's pretty mind-boggling i feel the same way you know there, there's something that that really draws us to power you know and to to a player like that you know like you said john when things are going right why on earth would you ever get up from your seat or leave the tv these days i guess you, you know you, you know at any point he can he can hit a fly ball basically and it you know, it's going to leave the stadium. It's not even, he's not even swinging, you know, with all of his strength. And it's easy, easy, easy for him to hit a ball out of a lot of ballparks. And when he really kind of puts somewhat of a surge into the ball, it's one of the more exciting things and, and one of the more exciting players um, in the game, not just today, but in a long time. And, and I would say the same thing about Aaron Judge, no, no different. God, it's so wonderful, not only to be reminiscing about some of this stuff and talking about this some of this stuff, but just to be talking about a baseball game that happened last night, a big hit that Giancarlo Stanton had last night, a, a good pitching outing that Garrett Cole had last night. There's so many things that are difficult right now and they have to go right for the season to happen and the season to continue. And we've seen how hard it is. And I don't want to get a minute ahead of myself, let alone another 56 games ahead of myself. But Every baby step we get of watching baseball, as uncomfortable as it can be sometimes, as conscious as I am of the real suffering in a lot of parts of this country, obviously it's hitting baseball on the Miami Marlins. I mean, we have to be honest about what's going on. It's not an easy time right now. It's not a great time right now, but our job is to talk about baseball, and it's really nice to be talking about baseball. So Al, Nate, thanks for talking about baseball with me this morning. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure to talk about an actual issue of Yankees Magazine, too. It was really uh, it was an exciting day. We all kind of texted each other when they showed up in our mailbox this week. That was, that was a good day, for sure. It really was. Guys, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Enjoy watching baseball this weekend. Thank you. Thanks. And to all of you, thank you for listening to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Before you go, I want to tell you more about the Yankees Magazine Podcast Network. If you liked hearing from us today, you should also check out Deep to Left with Bucky Dent, our newest podcast hosted by Yankees hero Bucky Dent. Each episode features conversations with former teammates and other greats from the game's history. And now we're talking about Yankees baseball, finally. On the latest episode, he spoke with David Cohn, which was a great time to talk about pitching theory and philosophies and just experiences around the game. You should check that one out for sure. If you're not subscribed, yeah, what are you waiting for? We're available wherever you listen to your podcasts or at yankees.com slash podcast. Leave us a review, leave us a rating, subscribe, download back episodes, whatever you'd like. You can even send us your thoughts over email to podcasts at yankees.com. Suggestions, tips, ideas, we're here for you. And of course, for my Yankees Magazine subscribers, if you haven't received it yet, you should any day now be finally receiving a new issue celebrating the return of baseball. 
That's right, we're back in production. Now, if you're still wondering, we're gonna fulfill every issue of your current subscription. So if before the hiatus, you had six magazines left to receive, you will be receiving six more, don't you worry. And if you have any questions, please just give us a call, 800-GO-YANKS, or head over to yankees.com publications for more information. You can also start a new subscription, buy a back issue, maybe even gift someone who's a huge fan. There are so many options. And of course, just like with the podcast, if you have any questions about your subscription, you can also email podcast at yankees.com. Finally, if you'd like to see our content online, get a taste of it at yankees.com slash magazine. There you'll find all of our latest features to read from the magazine. We're also on Twitter, at Yanks Magazine. Give us a follow and be up to date with every podcast, magazine, and story we produce. That's it. See you next time. Enjoy watching some baseball and go Yanks. Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much and go Yankees. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.